Hey everyone, and welcome to 121 in Flux. I am Peter, that is Connor. We talk about movies on this show, although this is one of our special episodes that we're going to be doing once every three months or so, uh, where we do a countdown, we do a list, we, we rank some movies from a particular decade or genre or whatever other thing we'll come up with. In fact, that's one of the things that you can actually uh, maybe give us suggestions for in the comments, is what other future uh, like top 50s and top 10s and 100s and stuff that you might want to see. But uh, yeah, so we're actually halfway through our top 50 movies of the 2000s, i.e. the decade of the the noughties. Uh, I, hate, I hate saying it, I hate it. If, if you've watched the first part, which you should have done, because otherwise you missed half the list. Yeah, that's true. Y- you will appreciate how much he hated that. Yep. So we, we did 50 through 26 in the last video, the last uh, episode, go check that out. This is going to be 25 to number 1. This is the conclusion and hopefully you get some recommendations. Hopefully you have some fun with us uh, making fun of each other's picks. Yeah, Pete, I tell you now, the top like chunk of my list, Pete's just going to hate a lot of stuff mm. that I've got. Also, I was keeping track uh, as Connor was saying his picks. So far, there are six of his that I have not seen. I wasn't keeping track. I'll go. It, it was more than that. Significant. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I, I'd have to, you know, actually go and look at his list and, and tick them off and, and and let him know. Yeah, you can't count as we go. I mean, I could have done, but by the time I realised I should have been, it was too late. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to get started. So the way this works, of course, is that we alternate. Uh, Connor gives his 25, then I'll give my 25, and then so on and so forth. And we'll, uh, you know, have a little bit of just an explanation for each one. So without further ado, Connor, your number 25. Yes, 25. This is a Kevin Smith movie, so, you know, Pete's already cringing. But this is, in my opinion, his his best movie. Maybe. There's maybe one that I'd, I'd, I'd fight it with. But this is Jersey Girl. And this is interesting, and it's it's not a typical Kevin Smith movie at all. This is actually a proper, you know, romance drama. You know, it's not this quirky Kevin Smith comedy, you know, like most of his stuff. This is a, a proper movie. And... I think it's really good. You've got uh, Ben Affleck doing, uh, you know, he's like a, a single parent uh, you know, t- taking care of his daughter. And, you know, and it's about his, his new relationship and how that, you know, how, how his life goes down, basically. But it's really solid. That's seven. I knew you wouldn't have seen that one. I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like you've seen maybe three Kevin Smith films and gone, that's enough for me. Maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> have, have, have you seen Tusk? I've not seen Tusk. That's the other one I would recommend that, that you know they're, they're the two that stand out above the rest for me okay my number 25 is actually one that connor's already had which this may be the first time this has happened actually i don't think this happened at all in the first half no i had a few that you'd had yeah like you know, there's a few that you had that i'd already said but this is the first time i think i've said one that you already said yeah we knew there was a few coming at least though for sure but mm, maybe, i'm not yeah. sure this is one of them because i expect those to be higher uh this is gladiator oh okay this is Gladiator, so I've got Gladiator. Uh, we talked about it a bit in the last video, of course, but this is uh, Ridley Scott, uh, beautifully shot, beautiful music. We talked a lot about the Hans Zimmer music, uh, mm-hmm. so I'll just reiterate that again. I've listened to this soundtrack a lot, and it's got a good story about, um, you know, rising up. It's got some great action sequences, and it's, uh, it's roaring at times, it's sad at others, and ultimately it's about a man trying to go home. And yeah. that's what I like about it. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh your 24. 24 is uh, another movie I believe we've covered on Influx this year. Uh, this is Memento. You believe? You're not sure? I'm, 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 I'm fairly sure we did that on Influx, but sometimes I'm like, eh, did we? 
You forgot you had to write a, a reminder down in your address. Yes, 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 very good. I should have done that, shouldn't I? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. This this is an excellent movie that plays with narrative structure and the way it reveals things. As as Peter there, though, it's about a man who can't create new memories. So lots of note taking and and lists as 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 is appropriate. I can't here. believe you've just, you're describing the plot, but you didn't open with it's a movie that goes backwards. I was getting to that. Oh, it does some inventive things with structure. Like it goes backwards. Just say it goes backwards. I was building to it. You, you always criticise me for building the shit, ruining your build. <laughs> yeah, but my build makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm building to a reveal. That wasn't right, a reveal. It goes backwards, and it's really good. And <laughs> the way it, you, know, the way it reveals information each time you get a new scene. There's See, obviously before. Connor, the good comeback to that would have been saying you were doing it backwards. But you failed know, at that I, joke no, as well. No, this is the thing. I thought about that, and I was like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not using that. That's just why I'm not, I I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not taking that cop-out, because that was a cop-out. I thought about it, and I disregarded it. This is why I do the puns. He's terrible at it. <clears throat> no, I'm not terrible at it. They're there in my head. I just have a filter and choose not to say them. What's the fun in that? That's just, no. <laughs> Regardless. Great movie. My number 24 is A History of Violence. And this is a, actually my favourite David Cronenberg movie, which just some people will, will be like, oh, really? Like, not none of his like, weirder stuff? Not some of his more uh, horrific stuff? Actually, no. I, I mean, I like some of that stuff, don't get me wrong. But this movie, uh, this is one where I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it because I'd seen Cronenberg's other movies which are very different from this. And it was kind of a completely unique thing for him. It's, it's, it's this this thriller drama where uh, you've got Viggo Mortensen is this family man in this small town. He's got a good relationship with his wife. He's got a, he's got a son that he loves, and he's just living this life. And these criminals roll into town, and they just happen to see him uh, in, a, in an incident. There's like a small incident where someone tries to rob the diner that he works at, and they recognise him, and they think he's this this guy who used to be like this major crime boss uh, in the crime family back in the city. And it's about members of this this family coming to find him when he's like, I'm not this guy, like I'm just this family guy, but they think I'm this this some big shot that, you know, used to work with them years ago. And it just plays with this. And uh it's it's based on a comic book actually. But yeah. I love I I love ultimately what the title of the movie means and where it goes, uh, towards the end. I can't I can't spoil any of it, of course. Of course. But it is a really solid uh, character thriller. With uh, good suspense moments, but a good character story, which uh, and I love the ending. I, I think the ending is uh, it's it's about. See, I feel like I've, if I even say what it's about emotionally, I, I give away where it goes. So I'm just not going to. But really good. Okay, cool. So my twenty three is Juno. And do I know what? Yeah. You know, what do I know? What. Oh, oh, very good. <laughs> I, uh, look, that took you too long. That took you been, too long. I have been drinking, as people may have noticed. <laughs> and I was like, what did I say? I had to go back and think of it. I was replaying what I said in my head. I was like, what did I say? I said the name of the film. Uh, it, it just, you know, thought process is a little slower right now. Go I felt there's no point in me saying anything now. You've ruined it. <laughs> <sighs> but no, it, it, in all seriousness, uh, you know, we, we kind of covered in the last video that I like these coming-of-age movies a lot, and this is one of those. And uh, Peter mentioned a movie with the the quirky indie drama tone. Oh yeah, and this 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 <laughs> this is one of those for sure. 
Yeah, that, uh, no, it does have that. Uh, that this one's more specific though, because it has that um, the Juno speak, if you will. Yes. Uh, with, with the dialogue, but yeah, this has got that tone for sure. It does. Uh, no, I, I have a lot of fun with this movie, and it was a, a bit of a surprise because I, I didn't really expect much from it when I watched it, and I was uh, I came out and go, oh, I, yeah, that was great. Michael Sarah and another coming of age movie that Connor likes. So there's a bit of a trend brewing here. So, so what? This is the thing. Michael Sarah is sometimes I will hate him. Sometimes I'll watch him in a movie and go, "Why are you here? What are you doing?" At other times I'll go, "No, he's fantastic." It's weird. He's like Nicolas Cage, good or bad. You can't <laughs> he answer is. it. You're right. You can't answer that question. You can't. Uh, my number. I do like Juno, by the way, just for the record. Uh, I don't love it, but I do like it. Uh, my number twenty-three is actually another kind of sort of comedy drama, but indie. It's mm. uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Mm, okay. I like uh, this a lot. This is a movie that, again, kind of came out of nowhere for me at the time. I wasn't expecting much, and I found a really endearing story about this family <laughs> going across country to the Little Miss Sunshine contest. It's full of wacky humour. You've got Paul Dano. You've got um, Alan Arkin, of course, as the, the grandfather, who's like really funny. You got Steve Carell in a totally non-comedic role. Like he's the least. I mean, I don't know that he's not funny, but he is the least sort of obviously he's funny character. He's straight man. He's the straight man. He's, he's suicidal. He's a suicidal man. Yes. <laughs> Whereas everyone else is a bit more wacky, and it's it's just you know it's it's kind of like when you when you make fun of these indie dramas and like all these things that they typically do. I feel like a lot of them try and ape what a lot of what Little Miss Sunshine does. Yeah, yeah, okay. The weirder things that it does, like they try to emulate, and I feel like that this is like just the direction, the tone, the writing, the way the characters play. There's a heart to it. There's a, under all the wackiness. There's a heart to what's going on, and you kind of respect it. Uh, so no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I Sunshine is really good. I do like this movie a lot. It didn't quite make my list. This was because uh, I went out and you made a few extras, you know, going down and then whittled it down a bit. Uh, this can I had this at about fifty five or so. So I only just missed out, but it's very good. What what number are we on? Uh, 22. Oh, funnily I just made that comment, because this is one that you mentioned earlier that only just missed out on your list. Mm. This is uh, Valhalla Rising. Ah, yes, yes. Yes, uh, another Refn movie, because obviously I had, uh, I had Bronson earlier on. And this is a gorgeous movie. Like, it just is. Uh, I think this is one that you, you have to be more into Refn to appreciate and enjoy. Oh, it's, it's a reference movie. It's a it, silent it's, movie. Yeah. You got Mads Mikkelsen, and we, yeah, you have very little dialogue, and it, it, it feels authentically like it's like thousands of years ago. It does not feel like it's present day at all. No. Which is, not, which is not meant to be. It's meant to be that, that time period, but it just it feels so different. It's got such a great tone to it. Uh, you know, performance of, of Mads Mikkelsen is, is phenomenal. Um, and just the the mythology and symbolism that it plays with, you know, if you if if you, when you're looking for it, which you should be if you're watching a movie like this, is just fantastic stuff. Hmm. My number twenty two is the fountain. Talking about uh, symbolism and <laughs> meaning. Uh, so yeah, another Aronofsky movie. Which honestly, it's kind of a shame because I feel like all the Aronofsky movies movies that I really like were all this decade. And the ones he's done this decade, I've not been as as What's hot on. Mother, Mother, Black Swan's okay. Uh, Noah, like, it's... I mean, it's not really a spoiler. It's not on this list, but Black Swan might be my favorite of his movies. It's not mine. I don't. I, I like it the most out of those three, but it's not. 
mine. I'll be honest, out of those three, it's the, it's the only one I've seen. <laughs> well, yeah, but... well then, <laughs> so there you go. But, uh, no, The Fountain's actually my favourite Aronofsky movie. It's, um, I think it's beautiful. I love what it does with a uh, structure. It's, it essentially presents itself as three stories that are working, but you've got the same actors in all three stories, so how do they relate to each other? And there's actually a very simple answer. It's not that ambiguous, really, when, by the time you finish the movie. You can actually kind of work out what they mean to each other and what's going on. Mm-hmm. The visuals in this are absolutely stunning. The, the the one story where Hugh Jackman's in a bubble in space with a tree, <laughs> every single time it cuts to that, I am in awe of the visuals. I, I, I love how absurd it sounds when you say that, but when you're watching <laughs> it, it's just like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. No, it does, it does. It's, it's it's two characters, it's about their relationship, it's about um, the, the pain of that relationship breaking down, it's about the pain of, of loss, it's all of these things. It is a beautiful movie, uh, I, I love it, The Fountain. Cool. I'm just, uh, I mean, I'm just kidding, like, this is, back to animated movies. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just. It feels like every time it's your turn to speak, you always forget. I was looking. That it's uh, you next. I forget where I am on my list. I'm okay. looking, going, where, where am I? Because the font is probably smaller than it should be. Twenty one. Twenty one is Fantasia two thousand, which is you know, it's it's obviously it's a sequel, sort of, to Fantasia. It's a it's a series of of shorts, and it is pieces of you know, classical music which they animate stories to. And you know, a lot of them are, are, are really good. You know, so there's one or two that maybe aren't as good as the others. But the the final piece, Firebird, is phenomenal. It's just it's just something special. No, that's the eighth one I've not seen. <laughs> um, I, I assume it has no similarities to Dracula two thousand, which I have seen. But uh... I I sincerely hope not. <laughs> For both movies' sakes, um, my number twenty one is Before Sunset, which is the middle film in the in the before-after trilogy. It's weird because the, the first one's Before Sunrise, the second one's Before Sunset. That's not one of them's After Sunrise. I'm forgetting the titles now. Uh, <laughs> point is, Before Sunset, 2004, is the middle... The first film was made in the 1995, 1996, that, that sort of time period. And it was these two characters, um, uh, Julie Depley if I recall her name correctly, and Ethan Hawke, who just meet in Paris one day. And the movie is just them walking around in Paris for a night, talking. And they, they grow, they bond, and then the next morning, like, he, one of them has to get in the train and leave. And it's like, oh, promise we'll, you'll be here next year. Male spoilers for the first movie. But it's just the two characters talking for, like, you know, an hour, uh, an hour and 40 minutes. That is the movie. But it's you know it does, there's jumps in time because you know obviously it's over the night but it's mostly kind of like each scene's kind of real time it doesn't cut between things there's no montages at least not that I remember yeah. it's two people walking and talking and it's very good the sequel before sunset is these two characters run into each other again eight years later and he at this point because in the first movie they're like twenty or something like that you know they're, they're young and in the second movie he's actually started he's a he's a novelist he's written a, written, a, written a book and He's, he's he's actually on a book tour, which is why she knows he's going to be somewhere because she's heard she's seen him like you know yeah, be yeah. famous and it's like okay right, I'm going to go and speak to him. And this movie actually is completely in real time. It presents itself from the moment they meet in like the the, the bookstore that she goes and meets him in, and it's them going and getting coffee and then walking back, walking around, and eventually you know back to her place. It, it's actually a short movie; it's got an hour fifteen minutes, hour twenty maybe tops, and 
it's 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 hard to talk about and say why it works, but it just does. Because Richard Linklater, who made the movie, sometimes his thing does not work for me. I think Boyhood is a movie that doesn't work unless you appreciate the gimmick of it being filmed over like all that time. Yeah, yeah like, I, I never watched it because I, I was like, okay, I get why this has got all the praise and the awards. because It's because of how it was made, not necessarily yeah. what the final product is. But the, the, the Before Trilogy is just about real realistic people and real emotions and I, I think this one out of the three has the biggest kind of uh, emotional sort of payoff if you will and because you, you find out like what they've been doing for the last eight years who they've been with are, are they married are you know do they have kids these kind of things and it, like them discovering each other again and like sort of reminding each other why they kind of fell in love one night and never saw mm. each other again and why that happened and it just it's just it's characters playing off of each other. It's it's just it's almost like you know I can almost see it as an exercise you give to like a film student. It's like like you're going to write a movie, but all you can do is two people in a room talking, and they're actually walking around. But it's that that kind of idea where all you yeah, have yeah. is two people. You have to build a story around that, and this does it. Hmm. And it's cool. beautiful. It's affecting. And it's great. And it's this yeah. There's not a lot of romance, just straight romance films. I think I would praise as much as this but this this one is up there oh cool so my number 20 is actually Shaun of the dead i i prefer this over hot fuzz that's right which is i think a, a you know a more uncommon opinion i mostly i, th- I see people find uh, hot fuzz like that most of the trilogy i prefer hot fuzz but i don't think it's that uncommon i feel like it's 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 not a majority as you seem to think as I think it's like I, I, maybe I, I always seem to see people think that that hot fuzz is the best of the three. I mean, it's, it's not that much. I think it's more like fifty prefer hot fuzz, forty prefer Sean, and then there's like ten percent who prefer World's End. Joe, you know I really like World's End, but it's, it's it's not the best. It's just not. Yeah, no, I like it as well, but it's definitely the weakest of the three. Yeah, yeah it is. But no, uh, Shaun of the Dead. It's 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 a, a classic. You know, it's it's the. Let's let's take the zombie genre and you know let's let's have some fun with it. It's got so many just you know famously memorable moments and you know it's just a lot of fun. And you know hitting people with pull cues while playing Queen it's always great. Well, I like sure I did a lot, uh, a lot, a lot. But um, I, I just I think uh, Hot Fuzz has just. It's just wittier, has a better plot, it moves quicker. I don't know, it's I, fair. I, I think it's one of those where, even though I say, oh, I think more people prefer that, I don't really begrudge them. It's kind yeah, of like, yeah. they're, they're pretty close for me. I, I think Shaun of the Dead is a really, really good movie. Great even. But then Hot Fuzz was kind of like, like Sean was the prototype, and like Edgar Wright like, and Simon Pegg nailed their, their script like even better the yeah, next time. So yeah, they no, learned no, from fair. it and it evolved. And... But hey, uh, my number 20 is The Mist which is a horror movie, we're back to a horror film, and this is a movie set inside a a supermarket where characters are trapped in this small town because a mist, a mysterious mist has rolled in, but in the mist there are some kind of monsters that are killing people so they can't go outside, and it's people in the in the building, and what's great about it, like a lot of bottle horror movies, is that it's actually like a, it's all, it's all an analogy, it's, it's all an examination of society, and how the people in the store break down, and how they kind of form factions, and how one of them, one group wants to do this, one group wants to do that, it's an exam, examination of civilization in like a bottle, and that's what the movie mm. is, but on top of that, you do have really cool monsters, you have cool uh, scary moments, you have cool suspenseful moments, 
And on top of all that, you have one of the best and ballsiest endings of all time. Seriously. Fantastic. And uh, remind people just how much you hated the TV show version, would you? There was a TV version last year, which... Uh, there wasn't even like monsters at least not yet maybe there was monsters in later episodes but it just made people go crazy or something there was, there was something weird and the characters were awful and badly written and on the nose and oh, the whole thing oh, <laughs> mm. oh, oh this, this, this makes me laugh this, uh, that, that you, you had to watch that and I, I got out of that one this Thank makes you. me feel good sometimes I know I know so uh, my 19 is uh, Finding Nemo I, I like Pixar, as you as you may be able to tell. It is especially Pixar at this point in time, where it's like, no, no, this was Pixar at the at the prime, perhaps. And you know, this is you know the 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 father trying to find the son, going on a journey. You know, it, it's it's essentially a becoming a man, even though he's already the father. He's proving himself that he's he's capable and worthy. In with fish, of course, and of course, it's very funny. Hmm. Yeah, well, like well, well, Defoe is a standout. I'll say that. I'll say yeah, that. Also, a surprisingly good score. Uh, number nineteen for me is actually one that Connor's brought up before, and that is "Sympathy for Mister Vengeance." Uh, part Chan Wicks, uh, first in the Vengeance trilogy. Uh, we talked about it at length last time, but uh, I'll just say I love it. It's fantastic, and for all the reasons stated already, we kind of went into that one quite in depth, actually. For oh, for, did, for, for did, what an yeah. entry this can be in depth. Uh, so no. Okay, cool. Uh, my number 18 is the next Harry Potter film that I have on here. This is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Now, this is by far the best adaptation from the books. Because uh, that book was overlong and unwieldy. And this is, I think, the shortest of the movies. And it does a lot of really good things. This is where we, we kind of changed the director and we got the, the director in for the you know the rest of the series then at this point. Uh, kind of shook up a few of the styles, especially the the visual combat of the you know the the, the spell battles, the duels that 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 really uh, you know give it some action and motion in the the last act, and I really like this movie a lot. Um, I remember liking this one more than the ones before. I think. Okay. To to an extent. Um... There's another one where I think filmmaking wise is better, but like I feel like this is just from the plot, just from the Harry Potter plot. This is the first one where I was like, oh, okay, I'm kind of into it now. Like, well, that's it because at this point, this is where okay, no, the plot kind of has got started really because the the end of the last one is you know okay, this is it, we're ready now, and this is the the start of the the end game. We're going towards the 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 final stuff now, even though it's only halfway through the movies. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, but again, I'm not a big Potter guy, so... You know. yeah. uh, my number 18 is yes. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet. This is a movie uh, where this technology exists where you can actually erase the memories of a person. And this movie's about, after a really bad breakup, uh, Jim Carrey decides he wants to erase the memories of Kate Winslet. And a lot of the movie is inside his head as the memories are being erased. And throughout the course of the movie, he decides that he made a mistake and he does not want to lose these memories. Because despite the fact of how much pain he's in and how painful the breakup is, it's not worth losing all the happy times that he did have. So it's a, it's a very heartbreaking movie, but there is like a sort of element of like hope in there and love as well. And uh, yeah, I think this one actually, depending on how you view the world, you could you could actually look at it very cynically or you could look at it with an optimist viewpoint. Mm. 
I think it can actually go either way, depending on how you want to read it. But um, I would like to read it optimistically. I feel like if you have the option, <laughs> you go with the go with the optimist side. Because <laughs> why not? Because uh, also that's kind of the thing is that it's like if the glass is exactly halfway down, is it half full or half empty? I I I always give an answer to this when whenever anyone asks mm. me. You know it. It depends on on the situation. It's all contextual because you know if if it's already full and you're drinking out of it and then it gets to halfway, then it's half empty. But if you're filling it up and it gets to halfway, then it's half full. So it's it's all about context. I'm a, I'm a situationalist. Oh, you're such a prick. All right. I know. But What's your you next can't one? argue with that logic. My my next one is uh, number seventeen. This is three ten to Yuma. Uh, this is you know a western. And I think probably the, the only Western on here. But it's it's different to a lot of Westerns. It's very psychological. It's about, you know, the, the, these two men, you know, kind of having this, almost this, this debate of, of right and wrong and morality uh, and, and how this fits into this world. But, of course, with some solid action sequences in there as well. Hmm. I, I like it. Honestly, I was disappointed in it when I saw it at the time. Okay. I think I expected something slightly different from it than what I got. Okay, that that can always ruin your impact that a movie can have on you. Yeah, so I mean, I may feel differently if I saw it again now, but not uh, knowing I, what to expect. Yeah, as it is, I'm a little bit lukewarm on it. Uh, oh, that's fair enough. Anyway, my number seventeen. Uh, we're going back to Korea for a Korean film. This is a uh, Save the Green Planet. This is a wonderful film <laughs> that is one of the one of these that def- just breaks the idea of what genres are because screw being in one pigeonhole. This is a movie that is equally comedy, science fiction, and apocalyptic. It's all these things. Sounds great. It bounces from serious moments to funny moments. You've got a character who may or may not just be mentally ill. He believes the aliens are going to take over the planet, or possibly destroy it. And he spends the movie doing really extreme things, like kidnapping people he believes to actually secretly be an alien. And... All other kinds of things, but he believes this with every, you know, fibre of his being, and you really don't know throughout the movie, is this real, or is he just crazy? Is he unstable? And you're kind of like playing with that throughout the whole thing, and it play, it goes, bounces back, it's funny, it's serious, it's uh, scary at times, with, you know, some of the situations he ends up doing to people, and, like, you don't know where to go with it, and it balances it all perfectly. Save the Green Planet. Seek it out. It's good. My 16 is one that we've mentioned earlier. This is Batman Begins. I like this a lot. Again, you know, we, we kind of went into this why it's just, it's a it's a great Batman movie. It takes it seriously. But more than just being a great Batman movie, I think it's just a really great movie. It has a, a phenomenal cast. It has great, you know, villains with presence. And of, of course, you've got, you've got a solid protagonist. That's Batman. <laughs> and and uh, my, my favorite score of the, of the trilogy um, I don't know if I'd say that, but what I will say that might be controversial to some, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy's music is better than any of Elfman's Batman music. So, oh, it absolutely is. I think that the reason I like this one, this is obviously as a James Newton How- uh, James James Newton Howard on yeah. it as well. I think it was, yeah. That's a yeah. Dark Knight as well, though. To be fair, yeah, but there's a, he's a lot less impact on Dark Knight. Whereas with Batman Begins, they actually just split it and wrote half the cues each, and it's really mm. clear as to which are which, in my opinion. Uh, sure. I like both composers, so I was never. Uh, I, I do as well, but I think the, the way it blends is is quite fascinating to me, even though I can tell the difference. Yeah, I know. I uh, I do like the music a lot. 
Um, like I said, because people always say, oh no, Danny Elfman's Batman theme is the best thing ever. And like, no, I prefer the themes in the Dark Knight trilogy. I think that's a great theme for that movie. But only for that movie. Okay. Uh, my number 16 is a little film called Bubba Hotep. Oh yes. Bubba Hotep stars Bruce Campbell. He plays Elvis, who's an old folks home. Because the real Elvis, he's the real Elvis, and he switched places with an Elvis impersonator, and it was the Elvis impersonator who actually died. And this Elvis, no one believes he's Elvis, of course, they all think he's this other guy. He is in the old folks' home, but unfortunately the old folks' home uh, gets attacked by a mummy, who's sucking the souls out of the old the old people <laughs> who are in the old folks' home. And him, and a, a man who believes he's JFK, which is hard to take because he's a black man, but he believes he's JFK, they team up to fight this mummy, this even though they fantastic. need even though they need walking sticks and they need need wheelchairs. They take on this mummy. Also, we've been talking about music a lot. This 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 countdown, fantastic music. I love it. In fact, the musician uh, Brian Tyler has been on to do much bigger scores for big budget oh, movies. Yeah. yeah, this is still my favorite Brian Tyler score. Okay, oddly, I think my favorite of his scores is from. One of the Fast and Furious movies. I've, no, not, I've never even seen the movie, but I love the score. No, he's done a few good ones. He did a really good score to the second Expendables, I think. But uh, he did like probably one of the better Marvel movies, Iron Man Three, in terms of the score. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you know it actually had a theme that you remember, unlike yeah. some of the other movies. Uh, but no, I love the music in this. Uh, that's another one where the, the scores played uh, quite often. Yeah, but I reckon oh. it is. Obviously, it sounds really ridiculous, and it is, and it does have a lot of laughs. But it's got just enough heart where the threat is taken seriously by the characters, where it's not just a farce of a comedy. It's like there's just enough of it. It's got this really interesting B movie tone where it just nails it. It's actually it's from Don Cascarelli who made the Phantasm movies. So you've got some horror cool. protege, you know, in there. There's Bruce Campbell as well, who's as fantastic as Elvis. Literally, the line "Don't fuck with the king" after he kills like this this evil bug is like, yeah, clap ovation. So my 15 is Hero. And we, we mentioned uh, House of Flying Daggers earlier, and you mentioned how your fantastic use of colour. Yeah, yeah, saying you know, yeah. Yeah, I think Hero surpasses that. I think it is the best use of colour I've ever seen in a movie. Hmm. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, Plus, if, you you know, if you don't know, it's, it's a movie where... It's actually... The, the actual present-day story of the movie is just this car- Jet Li's character talking to this, this emperor of China. And... The movie's told through flashbacks, but every time he tells the story, the emperor points out flaws in it. So then he changes his story from a, to a different perspective, almost to a different version of the story. It's it's the the Rashomon effect. Yeah, kind of, but it's often the same person. Oddly. It's from the same person, yeah. but it's the the same similar concept. idea. Yeah, it's a similar idea, but it's it's not necessarily the same because Rashomon it's all the same event from these. Whereas this is like. Each one kind of moves forward, and it you get like new parts story, of it. Yeah. yeah, but every time he tells a new version of it, uh, all the characters are wearing a different color. So, yeah. and the, I, I can't remember the order, but in one of them they're all wearing red, and then in one of them they're all wearing blue. One that's all yellow or white or whatever, whatever the colors and were. It makes for some fantastic visual showcases. There's also a fight that takes place uh, uh, over like a a lake. A lake, yeah. And it's a lot of like uh, sort of you know. Uh, Chinese looking trees I'll just say I don't know what you call them I don't yeah. know if it's bamboo it's not, I don't think it's bamboo it doesn't look like bamboo to me but it's like a, 
it just it's really pretty there's, there's a lot of wire work again it's very beautiful yeah, it's it's a gorgeous movie uh, it's very good uh yeah so my number 15 yes we're on 15 yeah that was seriously your 15 it was my, number, a lot. my 15's hero <laughs> I thought you were going to question that it was too high or something the way you said that then. No, 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 no. I, I was just double checking that that was your 15 and I wasn't. No, no, okay, no. That that was weird. Uh, now, to be fair, this happened, I think, at least once. It may happen twice with Tim in the top 100 horror movies. <laughs> not often. Okay. Not often. Actually, no, it didn't. This is, what ha- this is what happened with the horror movie list, right? We were just one off in a couple of picks. But what was weird is the ones where we were just one apart... Uh, one of them was your next so it was like one of us said it and then the next one was your next so it was like and then the other one was it follows so one of us said it follows and then oh. the one that came after was it follows that, that's weird uh, but yeah hero uh, so it was, it was just kind of said why it's so good it looks beautiful action's great there's a lot of heart uh, really good music as well actually uh, I think there is yeah and I think the way the, the, the movie ends and you, you sort of get to the point of the movie and the music's playing as this big moment happens and you get this text coming up kind of saying what this led to just in terms of the, the country's history. It's a really sort of big, grandiose, like heroic, I mean, pardon the word, moment. Uh, no, but it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so no, it's very, very, very good. All right, you're number 14. Yes, right? uh, 14. That would be uh, Requiem for a Dream, something we've already mentioned. You had it. Uh, right, so I, I, down. I can't even joke that that's my next one then. Just, just No, no, you can't. I'm sorry. Uh, unfortunately, no, it doesn't quite work yeah. that way. But we, we kind of mentioned earlier why we like this a lot, so I won't really go into it. But yeah, I've got this one of those. If you haven't seen it, well, you probably should. My number 14 is a Korean film. Uh, it's called Three Iron. And this is a film where you, you, you've got this guy who essentially is a serial squatter where he like he finds houses where the families are on vacation and he breaks in and just lives there for the week or two and then leaves and goes to find another place. And he breaks into one where the the wife is actually still there in the in the house. And it's a bit of an awkward thing, but what it actually is, it's a love story about him and this woman falling in love. And obviously, she's not in a great place in her life because she just looks depressed. She doesn't like chase him out. She doesn't get angry. It becomes this thing. And what's beautiful about this film, though, and what makes it so inventive, is that the, the these two main characters never utter a single word to each other the entire time. It's all played in silence. And because it's just them for a large portions, it's like a silent movie for a long, long time. It's not until later on where some other characters come into it where you you have some more audio speaking happening. But it's just them in silence, and it's beautiful. It's told through body language, it's told through action, and where it goes towards the end, where it's just a really beautiful, touching story. And I think it's a... It sounds like I'm getting choked up. I'm just... Uh, I'm just yeah. I'm just swallowing as I yeah, speak, yeah. that's all. Uh, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Let's take a kick over how beautiful it is. But it is, it's, it's a really, it's, it's romantic, but it's a very inventive romantic film. Uh, and I like all the themes it plays with. Uh, I actually had this up for vote uh, this month uh, on Overload uh, between me and Matt's movie. Uh, we don't know who's won that yet. We'll, we'll find that out soon. But uh, I think it's interesting you're just describing this. And I'm going, oh, this sounds interesting. Mm. I think Matt will hate that. I don't care. He needs some good films in his life, dud damn it. <laughs> Mr. Mainstream fair. over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you're 13. Okay, my, my 13. This this is Serenity. And Okay, go on. Get, get your reference out. 
my reference. Oh, I suppose this is technically another, another episode because we split this in two. Yeah, so. yeah, that, that, that's what, yeah. Of course, okay. Josh Whedon directed this, wrote it. He, of course, also directed and wrote the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, moving on to why it's pretty good. So, obviously, this actually has the advantage of... You know, you're already familiar with all the characters because it's the mm-hmm. sequel to a show. So it, it kind of just hits the ground running in that sense and, you know, just raises the stakes of, of what you had before. But, you know, you're already into all the characters, so this is just kind of the, the, the next point slash ending of a lot of the stories. And yeah. it's it's fantastic. I'll let Peter say more when he gets it further up. Uh I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> such accusations. You, you don't need to. My number 13 is Collateral. This is a Michael Mann movie from 2004. This is actually one where I'd heard... I, I remember because I was, I was 15 at the time. And I remember hearing vaguely... This is when I was maybe starting to like pay attention to like the opinions of things on the internet and like seeing what the consensus of some movies were. And I remember, like, oh, this Collateral is a good thriller. I'm like, okay, okay. And I actually... There was hardly any showings of it left. And my friends went to go see a movie, and I talked them into this movie that only had one showing. It was Collateral. But I was like so adamant I wanted to see it. And I was so glad I did. Do, do you remember when you had to go to the movie with friends? I know. Know. Come I know. On. I don't want to go see this movie. Come on, come with me. I remember there have been a couple of years when I missed a few movies because people were awkward and I didn't get to see them. And I just yeah. made a hard decision. I think it was probably just after I left high school. I made a hard decision where, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to go see things myself. I'm I, not- I, I think I did it. In like my first year at university, yeah. where I was like, "No, screw you! I want to go see this movie." Yeah, well, we're, you're sitting in the dark. You're not supposed to speak. You're watching I'm, a movie. I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. I'll talk to you after, but that's fine. I'll, yeah. I'll come back and see you. Yeah, there's like there's this weird stigma with going to see the movies by, your, by yourself, which is weird because why not? And you know, it's funny because when you go yourself, you actually notice that a fair amount of people do it as well. It's not just you. You see other people on their own. You do, but you don't, you, you don't notice until you do it on your own. Yeah, but then you do actually realise it, and it's like, ah, who cares? It's, well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, but no, it's really good. The plot of this movie is that you get Jimmy Fox as this taxi driver, this cab driver, and Tom Cruise is a hitman who... Goes in his cab and he's like, you know, taking him around and he pays him for like the night. He's like, hey, I'll give you X amount of money for the rest of the night. We've got five stops to make, which turns out to be five hit jobs that he's going to do in the city of Los Angeles uh, throughout the night. And once it's revealed what he's doing, you know, Jimmy Fox essentially becomes this captive of him because he can't just run because he'll get he'll be killed. So he's like driving him around the city all night. It's so all one night takes place. And it is gorgeous. Michael Mann shoots nighttime like no one else. It is beautiful. The the the, the lights of the city look great. Uh, it is it's fantastic. So much of it's on the road. So much of it's in the car. Uh, the action's really good. Whenever Tom Cruise does go into sort of action mode, when he has to actually start firing his gun and whatnot, he's like he's a badass. It's great. Um, suspenseful, tense. Characters are likable. The villain's even somewhat sympathetic at certain points. And it's great. It's, 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 Michael Mann has some, has some weaker stuff in his philography, but he has a good selection of like a good half dozen fantastic things, and this is right up there with the best of them. I love Collateral. Hmm, cool. So my number 12. This is going to be the first one since... You know, there was a lot of the, the last video where I would say a film and people would go, ugh. And, you know, it hasn't happened as much this video. I mean, my, my first pick at 25, he definitely did it for that. This is the first one in a while. Probably since then, he's definitely going to do it. So this is Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Go on. All four and a half hours of this Yes, thing. and I want to specify, I'm on about the extended cut, because that is the only way to watch this movie, in my opinion. 
It's the, it's the way to cure insomnia if, you're, if that's a problem for you. I love this movie. It's great. It's got some phenomenal battle sequences. You know, multiple phenomenal battle sequences. It's got some fantastic character moments. Some, you know, closes the arcs for a lot of them. Hi, about 50 times. Yeah, yeah. I love every single one of those endings and the epilogue. Screw you. I love this movie. Uh, I didn't hate the first one that much. I felt like you could have put all three of them into the one movie and it would have been better. But <laughs> there was far didn't, too much. didn't hate the first one that much. I like the start of it. Once they went on their journey, they started to fall apart for me. It, it's funny. Obviously, the, the books, that section before they go on the journey is, is a bit longer than in the movie. That's because the, the, the books, are even they're split into two. So mm. that is my favourite book out of the six of of the Lord of the Rings. I love that section. Hmm. Uh, I am not a Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, I, I've mentioned before, of course, I'm not typically into fantasy, but I find Lord of the Rings painfully boring and yeah. I do not like it at all. Yeah, yeah he kind of despises it, which is why I said there's going to be stuff on my list up here that he just hates. I don't despise it as much as The Hobbit, though. That third Hobbit movie is one the of Hobbit. the purest excuses of a of a cash grab I have ever seen in my so, life. No, I agree. I, I will defend the first two Hobbit movies to very... I don't think either of them are as good as any of the Lord of the Rings movies, but I will defend them as, you know, good that, movies. That though. third Hobbit movie is about five minutes of plot stretched out to two and a half hours. Do you know what? There's a reason that in, in the book that movie took place over a sentence. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It's a <laughs> sentence. That, that whole battle is a sentence in the book, oh, and it should have been left as a sentence. Anyway, Screw that movie. What are we on? Number 12. Yeah. Uh, my number 12 is Memento. Hmm. Which has popped up before, of course. Uh, but in case you forgot... <laughs> I, I, I really wish I'd had it at 21. But in uh, course it was 24. Uh, I mean, it's pretty close. So, so it was the opposite way around, yeah. Mm. Now, uh, Memento, everything I said before, now out of structure very well. And <laughs> I'm not sure that was really a sentence. Yeah. Yeah, it's because I said I pronounced a narrative in a weird way, and I, I sort of stopped to think about how I said it really weird, and then I just kind of ended the sentence abruptly. But anyway, so yeah, structure is obviously very inventive, and it actually adds because of what the character is doing, the, the condition he has. But it reveals more about the character as we go on, and it makes us question things because he can't. He asks the questions so much, he can't really trust anyone. Can he even trust himself? The movie really explores that, gets really inventive, and it's just yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great ride. So. Yeah, it's we, we went over it a lot earlier. But uh, my number 11. Yes, 11. This is Wally. I love this movie, especially the opening, you know, 40 minutes or so, which are just silent. I think that's the... I mean, I, I, I like the stuff after that as well, but like, this first chunk of this is, is something special for me. Wally. Yes, yes. Let's see the, it properly. <laughs> Very, very good. This this movie lives on its sound design. Uh, Bemba is the hero of this movie. He he is why this works, and it's just fantastic. I like this quite a bit as well, and I I will I do have to echo though. I th- I think the the first thirty forty minutes of this is so good. Yeah, that the rest of it does feel a little bit of a letdown. I, I still like the thing is that it it feels like a letdown, but when I think about just those parts, like it's still doing you know, really interesting, you know, typical sci-fi stuff. That yeah, you no, don't often it's, see it's not in, bad. You know, it's movie. just I can't help but feel like if it if it maintained those first like thirty forty minutes for the whole thing in yeah. some way, 
I'd, I'd probably have it on here somewhere. No, that's fair. But no, that, that, that opening section is, you know, the, 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 I think it was a really brave choice to put, you know, and it, that long of a silent sequence in a kid's movie at the start. I appreciate it. Should have been longer. It, it should have been. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. If, if that had been the whole movie, this would probably be top five. My number 11 is Old Boy. Of course, we mentioned uh, yeah. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Uh, both of us have, actually. This is the second in the Vengeance trilogy from Park Chan-wook. And it is, it is great. It is, it is about a man who is kidnapped and imprisoned for... 15 years, maybe 16 years. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> I, think, I think it was 15. 15. Give or take. He's been in prison for 15 years, and then he is let out all of a sudden, to, and he's told that he's got a week to solve why he was imprisoned. So yeah. he has to go on this hunt to find out why. And of course, one of the reasons why this movie is so well known is the infamous one-take hallway fight scene where he takes on about 30 men with a hammer and nothing but a hammer. And it's phenomenal. It is. It is fantastic. And we... We love to point out music. Uh, I also love the music in this movie. I feel like Sympathy vs. Avengers is a very quiet film. There's not a lot. There's like almost no music in that movie at all. Whereas mm. Old Boy has a lot of big themes that it likes to come back to, and I love all of them. It's really good music. It does. I, I I love this movie. It's fantastic, and like you said, it, it's all about just okay. How screwed up is this world? Yeah. Well, you know, that, again, we we said that was Sympathy vs. Avengers, but it's just points of just stomach churning. And of course, the uh, it gets very dark towards the end, and mm, yes, right, it does brings up some things. But uh, really, really good. So, old boy, yes. ignore the uh, remake at all costs, please. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I refuse to to go anywhere near it. Yeah, because because why would I ruin this? Mm-hmm. No. So uh, number ten, this is the Dark Knight, which is you know no surprise that this is on here because mm-hmm. um it's it's a phenomenal movie. It is. I, I had Batman Begins not so long ago, and this is undoubtedly better in almost every way. I, I think the music is the only way I'd say Batman Begins I'd prefer. But this is a, a fantastic movie. The performance is all around, of course. You know, Heath Ledger's Joker is you know famous for, for how fantastic it is, and it just hooks you right from the start of the movie with its with its opening sequence, and that's it. That's it. It just keeps going. My number ten. <laughs> we've done this again no 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 no. my number okay. 10 is Moon which is a science fiction film by Duncan Jones who criminally has been wasting his time on a Warcraft movie for the last 3 or 4 years oh, I know don't remind it me it depresses me so much but he he made Moon the reason why I love him and I love his next movie as well that came came later uh, Source Code but Moon is his masterpiece it is a film with Sam Rockwell multiple times <laughs> may I add and and it's funny because the trailers don't reveal something, but I feel like I have to reveal it because I feel like it's not that much of a spoiler, really, because it's kind of the premise of the movie that he finds a clone of himself. Is uh, that not in the trailers? That's not the, no because when I watch the movie, it's a surprise when he when he finds himself. Huh? Yeah. The, the, so I, I I didn't watch this when it came. At out. At least the first so that, tra- that, the trailer I saw anyway never had that. Uh, in it. that that's fair. I, I didn't see this when it came out, so I've yeah. I've kind of when I watched this, I always yeah. knew that was the premise. But yeah, so and there's two of them, and they have to figure out why there's two of them. It's figuring out, you know, uh, what's going on, how do we get home. Uh, one of my favourite, like, emotional scenes of any movie are in this. Uh, I'll just say it's the phone call. I won't say anything more than that. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's a movie about ideas. It's a movie about, um, you know, what constitutes his life. 
it's it's so much of it is in the ideas it's it's all you know it talks about these big ideas these big questions yeah. but it doesn't show all that much it's also a character examination you actually get to examine who this character is based on how one of them is actually earlier than any in the life cycle and you see how different they are yeah. and you get these ideas it's, it's, it's fantastic it explores so much it's beautiful i love the way the moon looks whenever we're outside like and he's yeah. in that rover going around yeah yeah Fantastic. Great low-budget science. Because it is a low-budget movie. It's actually only like $10, $20 million, which yes, I know... And, and most of it's in the one compound. You have a few bits out on the moon, but yeah. most of it's in the one building. But it's, it's great. I love it. The fantastic performance, fantastic music. The, the Clint Mansell score is haunting, yeah. hauntingly yeah. beautiful. So, moon. Cool. Uh, that was number 10, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so number 9, uh, another one where Peter's going to go, ugh, is Casino Royale. This is my, my favourite Bond movie, and I love most Bond movies. Not not all, obviously. Some of them are not not good, but this one is is fantastic. It's uh, <clears throat> sorry, Craig at his his peak, even though obviously it was his, his first one. It's all downhill uh, from here. Well, no, I wouldn't like. I mean, Quantum of Solace can just go burn in a fire for all <laughs> I care. But uh, I like the other two well enough. But they, they don't they don't match this. This has everything that I want in a Bond movie. It's got great villains. It's got great action sequences. It's got great cars. It's got quips. It's it's got everything. I I love this movie. This is actually the movie that confirmed to me that I just don't like the idea of James Bond because, like everyone said, oh it's darker. It's the it's the it's the reboot that Bond's been waiting for. Everyone loves it. Everyone was raving about it when it came out, and you know maybe about a year after it did, I uh, it was on. I think I was still like had had cable and stuff at that point. Whereas you know now I've, I've long said goodbye to those things because <laughs> uh, the world's changed. But and I watched it. I, I watched Casino Royale and I just kind of left it feeling like eh. So it just confirmed to me that there's just something core about James Bond. And generally speaking, spy, spy, spy things in general. Yeah. I would say for you, to be fair, it's not James Bond specific. For, for example, like you know Atomic Blonde. I wanted to see this year, you know, because the music, the trailer was pretty good. And I turned it off after about 30 minutes. I was bored to tears. Uh, I watched it just a you know, week or two ago, and I loved it. Yeah, I was bored to tears during Atomic Blonde uh, for what I watched of it. So I, I'm just not a big spy guy. I mean, there's obviously some exceptions, uh, depending on how they tackle it. But typically, the, the traditional ways of tackling it, I do not like. Tink- Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is like the most insomniac curing movie I have ever seen in my life. I fell asleep twice in the theatre seeing that. Twice. Another movie I love. Twice. That movie has like one of the best casts of all it does time. Have a phenomenal it's cast. stacked from top to bottom, and I fell asleep twice. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're just a prick. <laughs> What's your nine? Uh, my nine is District Nine, uh, one that you brought up quite a while ago. District did you nine... put it here because it was nine? I did not. That was not intentional. Uh, I actually, I often talk about, I remember in 2009, I was really enthusiastic, because I'm a big sci-fi guy, and I, I feel like 2009 gave me this renaissance, because Moon, District 9, Abram Star Trek, hell, even Avatar, which I like, like, gets a lot of shit, but I do like Avatar. It's fine. And, like, you know, all those movies combined, I'm like, man, sci-fi's back. Like, sci-fi, I feel like it had been kind of lingering for a while. And it, but even The Road, The Road was tw- 2009, like... Good. It was a good year. Not all, all, all these sci-fi movies all came out this year, and I was l- in love with all of them to varying degrees. So, some of them appeared in this list, some of them not, but I liked them all. And 
Uh, different name for me. I mean, it's always been a close fight between that and Moon. That that and Moon have always been like neck and neck, kind of battling it out for supremacy. And I think what I love about District Nine, uh, we obviously talked about the, the messaging, the themes, what it's doing. I love the the character arc for the main character. Uh, I think Shadow Copley is a fantastic actor. Uh, it's a great, really good arc. I love where it goes. I love the science. I love that it's not afraid to go balls deep into these science fiction action ideas. We've got mech suits. We've got this. The action in the last act of the movie is fantastic, and it's a relatively low budget movie. And the effects look good. Like it, no, they do, and the the design yeah. makes it pop. Yeah, it's great. I remember like starting this, not knowing anything about it, thinking ah, it'll probably be mediocre, whatever. And by the end of it, I was like standing up, like cheering, and like yeah, that was like badass. Like I was into it so much. I, I love the idea of you at home giving it a standing ovation. And it... here's the thing: Blomkamp's next movie, Elysium, was very heavy-handed with the messaging. I still liked it most, more, for the most part. It's not it's nowhere near as good as District Nine, but it visually and just from the action and the vision, like, all that sort of stuff, I liked it. I liked what it was doing. At least mm. in that sense, uh, Chappie gets a lot of shit. I actually don't hate Chappie. You're you're one of the few people who don't. Some people really really hate Chappie, and I I, I actually kind of like what it's doing. There's a lot of that movie I like, even if there's some parts that are stupid. I agree there there are. Uh, I could have done without the the overly sappy bit right at the end, but I like I like Blomkamp's visuals. I like what he does with science fiction and how it how it looks. I like how sort of. It's sci-fi, but it's got this sort of gritty, sort of like rusty look to it. But there's color in there as well. It's this, 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 this bright kind of popping thing for it. Um, and I, the reason why I'm going into this and my, my just my Blomkamp sort of opinions overall. I obviously, I love District Nine. That's kind I, of the, I know where you're going with this. That, that's you know that's the the pinnacle of of Blomkamp stuff. And it's not been as good since, but I still kind of like what he does overall, even when it's not that great to other people. He was supposed to do a sequel to Aliens. And he was told no because it, Scott wanted to do his Alien Covenant, which at the time was like Alien Paradise or something like that, or Paradise Lost or something. And just today, the reason why I'm bringing this up is just today, more concept art for this direct Alien sequel was released. And all of it looks fantastic. And you know what? I get the complaint. I get the complaint that it would be this, this essentially a big budget fan movie for Aliens, this direct sequel that had Ripley and had, you know, Michael Bean back. Yeah. You know what? It would be. It would be just the ultimate fan movie. And it wouldn't be as good as Aliens. Of course it wouldn't be because there's very little that beats Aliens uh, in this t- you know type of movie. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know what? I will take a good Blomkamp fan fiction movie for Aliens over the shit that Ridley Scott's gave us the last couple of times. Yeah, I mean... Alien Covenant was I, I, I just want to say, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the interview where Ridley Scott mentioned how you know they, w- they won't ask him to do a Star Wars movie because... Oh, he should. Take yeah, him. Yeah, Take him. Go he, and do Star he, Wars. <laughs> something I don't care about. Off. He, do Star Wars. He, he said, you know, he said, oh, they won't do it because I know what I'm doing. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure you know what you're doing? When you when you churn out this, are you sure? Do you know what I think is? I think he does know what he's doing when he's doing something fresh. I feel like every time he comes back to the Alien franchise, though, it's like, what you, what's happening? Yeah, what are yeah, you doing? That's, that's true. Like, because you know, The Martian was a good movie. You oh, you, it was. Great you movie. hand Ridley Scott a good script, he will deliver you a good movie. No, that's true. I think the thing is, especially with with lately, with you know what they've been doing with the Star Wars movies, is they've been having the directors very hands on with yeah. the script. And I, I don't want Ridley Scott anywhere near a script for a Star Wars movie. 
piss if off. It, if, it keeps away. Away, if it keeps me away from alien movies, by all means, go and do Star Wars. <laughs> I'm happy for that, Ridley. Go on. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, you're number eight. <laughs> no, my number eight. This is uh, another Pixar movie. We're getting, we're getting into you know, One regarded pretty, pretty highly by most is Up. And of course, it's it's most famous for its opening, you know, ten-ish minute sequence, which is you know this 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 man's entire life, more or less, from a, a young boy to you know meeting his 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 future wife, having children, you know, it, it goes on. It's it's a, a heartbreaking opening ten minutes, and it's phenomenal. And for me, I know for a lot of people it doesn't. For me, the rest of the movie lives up to it. It's it's a fantastic journey, and the ending works so much better because of the opening for me I, I love it i like up a lot i liked it a lot when i seen it uh i've not actually watched it since though i've never had the the feeling to no that's fair enough Rewatch it bizarrely but yeah. uh I, I can't fault it uh for, as a pick but hey uh my number eight is a film that i doubt you've heard of <laughs> and maybe many, many people watching uh it's called uh I'm not sure if the W is supposed to be silent. It probably is. Uh, Wreckmeister Harmonies. All right, I'll give you that one. No, 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 no idea what you're chatting. Also, I love how it's a very musical sounding title, and you you don't know it because that just that, that that pleases me even more. <sighs> what can I say? I don't. I just don't know what this is. This, Enlighten this, me. This is a film. This is a uh, a Hungarian film. Okay. Now it's from 2000. But it's black and white. It's shot in one six sixty one, and it's a movie where the director is is quoted as saying, and obviously this maybe doesn't apply as much now given that technology's changed. But he was quoted at the time as saying that he believes the length of a film reel is a form of censorship, <laughs> because this is a guy who likes long takes, <laughs> and this film is I think close to three hours long, and it's only like it's like less than twenty shots. Jesus Christ. It is. Now, I'll admit this, right? This is a, a film student, like an art film student's wet dream. Yeah, I can tell. This movie is... Black, black and white, weird aspect ratio, long takes. Yeah, he's just ticking all the boxes. It's astonishing. It? it is good. It is a philosophical film. It is a film uh, you know, with big themes. And like I say, there's so much impressive visual imagery going on. Uh, the the opening of the movie is the the main character like he's trying to like show like how the you know how the, the solar system works with you know revolving like you know the moon around the, the earth and then you know around the sun and uh, you know all the planets and he gets people to represent us in a dance floor and the camera's just moving around as all these people are spinning around each other and you know it, it, then he eventually leaves and it's just it, like the music is fantastic fantastic as well I highly recommend the the, the score to this uh, it's a very unique film music. Um, it's really, really, really good. Uh, like I say, this is not for everyone, but this is a movie where I, I this was back when I used to rent movies through a postal service. Oh yeah, I mean we're we're hitting all the old school stuff yeah. tonight, aren't we? Yeah, because again, well, I think the weird thing about the two thousands is, is things are old enough that things were different, but we were starting to be old enough, to, like you know, in terms of our age, to like you'll do this ourselves and like yeah. you know, rent movies and whatnot and i remember this was just one i you know it was on like a, a best of list somewhere and i was like, okay i'll add it to the to the rental list and, it and came one day in, it just popped up and one day it popped up and i watched it not knowing what it was not knowing what it was about 
Um, and there's not a lot of plot, actually. It's actually very late on plot, <laughs> bizarrely. I, th- I think it probably is with 20 takes. <laughs> but it's, but it, it, it's, a bit, it's about this small town and how they're, they're all worried about going out of work and stuff. Uh, and there's also this, this side show that comes with a giant whale. In fact, that's the, actual, the, 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 the poster, typically, is this main character staring at the eye of the whale. Uh, this is beautiful stuff. But it's... I just remember being entranced. And it's just one of these things where what the camera's doing, what the music is doing, what the motion of the scene is doing is actually is what making the film work. Mm. And I was just into it. It sounds really interesting. I was into it from then. It's, 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 it's gorgeous. That, that is one you should pop for an overload, folks, sometime. Oh, I mean, Matt would Matt hate might this. actually murder you, though. Matt would despise this with every fibre of his being. He, he would, and you, you might actually get hit in the head with a hammer if it wins. <laughs> Wreckmeister Harmonies I I recommend it that said definitely not for everyone I, I feel like even a lot of people who enjoy our show would probably hate it so uh, just keep that in mind if what I've described to you sounds miserable don't watch it if what I said piqued your interest you might just love it you might I, just... I'm, I'm sure interested I'll be honest I, I, yeah I, I saw uh, there was a he did, he did a newer film uh, a few years ago called The War Horse no, not the Warhorse. That's the Spielberg movie. That's the that's uh, thing. I was like, oh, sorry, oh, okay. I just the, 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 had the same name. Uh, the the Turin Horse. Sorry, uh, that's just because my mind went. Oh, I've heard of this one. You've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. that was that was his newer film. And uh, again, long takes, seemingly little plot. I loved it. I loved it again because I was worried because that was only the second film I'd seen uh, from uh, Bab's Tar. I believe if I remember the name right, but. He like I was worried that maybe the second movie wouldn't have the same effect. I'm like, oh, I've seen his thing there. I've seen the long takes, the black uh, and white. The, the, the sticks worn off, but it didn't. It worked. It was beautiful. And I think it's because he does so much in in the, the camera in one shot that it just yeah. it's fascinating to watch because it just it has this air of like this is all really happening to it. Uh, so it sounds really interesting. I do want to watch this now. And it's slow and So they're all long movies. I really want to see his film Damnation uh, that he did a bit before this one. Uh, because that's meant to be really good. He also did one that is even longer. He did. He did it was essentially more of a mini series for TV. Right. Uh, but I think it's like seven hours tall. <laughs> I know. So that, that's well, what mean, he build up to. A three-hour movie is is hefty enough. I mean, yeah. like, I was like, yeah, I'll sit down and watch it. But you've got to be prepared yeah. for even a three-hour movie. He also did a movie called The Man from London that I want to see. I, these have been on my to-watch list for years. And I've just kind of like spaced them out, and I'll, I'll look for the other ones down I, the line. I sense some of these hitting a flux at some point in the future. <laughs> Would I be correct in assuming Pro- it, it might be? And I, I feel like these will be interesting because I feel like it, it, it is definitely one where you have to interpret and say, "Okay, this is what it's about." You have to like kind of analyze it yourself, and I'm all right with that. Which is well, something what we do anyway. So it's yeah, fine. yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's my number eight. Workmaster Harmonies. Or wreck makes the harmony. Sorry, ours. It's WR at the start, by the way. So I'm assuming, but it's, because it's a different language, I'm worried that you know maybe Verk makes the harmony or something like that. Yeah, no, I'll get you. Because it's not English, so the W might not be silent. But so my number seven is one that we've mentioned quite recently. This oh. is Moon. Hmm. Uh, I, I I love this movie. I was kind of keeping quite a bit quiet because I was like, yeah, no, I really love this movie. Well, three species are different, so that's not bad. Yeah, it's yeah, not quite exactly. hero. That was it's, bang it's not, on, yeah, it's not bang but... on, but it's, it's pretty close. Uh, you know, you mentioned the music; I think it's phenomenal. I I still listen to that score like probably every month. The lullaby least. track, the, the oh, piano. Man, it's it's mm. something special, and it elevates an already phenomenal movie. But we we, we already kind of spoke about it mostly, so oh, yeah. we, we can move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number seven 
Uh, we're going foreign again. This is a German film. This is a film that I discovered because I'm a fan of the Criterion Collection, so I'd often like try movies from that line. Uh, for, you know, not all of them, because some of them still wouldn't appeal to me, but some of them it's like, okay, I want to see what that is. This is a German film from 2008, and it, it, the name Revenge uh, just translates as Revenge. That's just the title, but it's you know you keep it in German because it just sounds better. Because <laughs> Revenge yeah. on its own just sounds the, a bit the, weird. The, there's some you translate and some you... Nah, I'm leaving yeah. it. Uh, like a lot of European films, this has no music. Outside of maybe like one or two examples of like like a radio playing in a scene, but there's no yes. there's no score. It's completely silent, and it is is very tense. And it's about this this criminal. Uh, I mean, I don't know much of a criminal is to begin with, but he, he he's dating this prostitute, and the prostitute is treated very badly, and but he's in love with her, and they're going to run away. So the the, the plan is to sneak off and uh, rob a bank. Uh, and then just sort of leave, go. They just want the money so they can get away and get out of this life. And we're interested in this other character is a police officer. And we see he's a pretty normal guy. We see he has a wife and he's he's you know, fairly likable. But he ends up entering into the scene where they're robbing this place. And he ends up shooting the, the, the girlfriend. Mm. And the movie's about the, the guy, the criminal, tracking down where the policeman lives and kind of like integrating himself into their life and like befriending his wife and like sort of being around and you you really like and this is the thing it makes you like both characters and you understand why he hates him you understand why he, you know, he did his job he didn't mean to kill her even he just, he just shot at the car when it was like driving away yeah. he just you know that's who he happened to hit and it's just hence why it's about revenge obviously it's like will he go through with it will he do it it is a very quiet film it's very slow paced but it's very dark it's uh, this blew me away when I saw it. This was like again, it's like okay, I, I, I obviously I knew it was meant to be good because it was in the, the Criterion Collection because that's what they do. But it was just like no, this was like it had me on the edge of my seat the entire time, yeah, and it was. No, this is this is actually one that's been on my radar for a while. Mm. Uh, it's uh, it's one of these ones where like you know, Rockmaster Harmonies. Like I I understand that a lot of people won't take to that quite the same way I did. But this is like one. There's a few like films from this time period where maybe they're foreign or they're maybe just lesser known indie films. That I always bring up, like this and like three iron. I'm like, yeah, pe- seriously, people, check them out. Go and find yeah. them and give oh, them a try. Okay. Cool. So my number six. Oh, old oh boy. Oh, we already yeah. we already covered this one pretty extensively. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, laugh, laugh, laugh with the no. Hold on. What was a quote. I just I thought I'll give it a quote, just but then I'm, I'm completely butchering the quote. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is why I didn't do that. I was like, I know I won't get it right, so yeah. I'm gonna try. Because it ends with if, yeah, if you don't laugh, the, the world will laugh at you. If you laugh with the world, then it laughs with you. But uh, it said smarter than that. <laughs> I can't remember yes, the quote. Yeah, you've got, you've got the sentiment, but yeah, not I, the I've, eloquent wording. I've butchered it. I do apologise. I thought I knew it in my head, but clearly when I tried to say it, it just, bleh, just came out like yeah, shit. You, you, you've just, you know, that ruined that, frankly. Alright, number six for, for me. <laughs> it's a lot of foreign films. Honestly, this deck has a lot of good foreign movies. Uh, yes. Let the Right One In mm. is my number six. This is uh, one of my favourite vampire movies. It's it's about a, a younger vampire. Or I say younger. Uh, at least appears younger. They, they younger were, looking. Yeah, yeah. Child when they became a vampire. Therefore, they're internally a child. So they're actually quite old. But And it's about her befriending this sort of quiet, shy boy uh, named Oscar who lives in this state. He gets bullied quite a bit. And he's got this snowy setting just because of the time of the year, but also just the location. You know, it's a 
you know, it's a Swedish yeah. film, so it's you know, <laughs> in, in, in the, the the north, and it's this kind of sweet but bittersweet love story, kind of these two kids kind of falling. He really needs someone in his life, and she kind of offers that, and it's also violent and dark at times. It's also got uh, great imagery, and it's just it's this it's this great tale of it's, it's this ex- examination of a vampire in a different way i feel like vampires one of the most diverse concepts in like fiction because there's so many different ways to tackle it yeah it's funny i know you mentioned earlier you know there's not that many good werewolf movies there's a lot of there good are vampire. tons of amazing vampire movies but, so they're, but they're, they they succeed by doing so, such different things yeah they're so versatile uh yeah and if you hadn't forced me to do the reference earlier i'd be making my buffy reference here but i i think look at how vampires are treated on buffy where are these soulless monsters compared to this? Where arguably Eli is not complete. I mean, I mean, it depends on your opinion. It depends on where the movie goes. You know, you may have a different opinion by the end of it. But you could argue that no, she has you know compassion. good qualities. Yeah, she has compassion. She she's not just evil for the sake of being evil. Yeah. And you know, so so there's a whole thing there. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, me and Tim did this for streams uh, earlier in the year. Actually, we'd seen it before, but we went back because we wanted to like do a a, a favorite. And we did let the right one in, and it's it holds up. Like seeing it again a few years later, and mm. actually more than you think, it was a good eight nine years later. But um, yeah. great, 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 fantastic. Mm, nice. So my number five is uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and yep, this is uh, this is my favorite Harry Potter. So I'm done with those now. You oh, great! Me. Just yeah, just three yeah. of them. That's good. Just two. Hey, three. It's not that many <laughs> out, of, out of eight. <clears throat> actually i don't know quite how many of them were eligible i think most of them were but maybe the last one wasn't that's maybe the it. last one wasn't but yeah but, but still three and i was choosy i didn't just put them all in i could have done mm-hmm. but no i love this one this one stands out amongst the harry potter movies as having a style like that is completely unique well and funny little anecdote i have a friend who's a big harry potter fan and this is her least favorite of the films because it's the one that feels the most wrong compared to the books See, I don't agree. It feels the most wrong. I think it feels different, but I don't I, think. It's, hey, not, it, my, not my opinion. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just saying. I don't think it feels wrong. I definitely think it feels different. It's clearly where this is the point where the characters are getting older. You know, the first two are essentially kids' movies, and I love them still. But they are kids' movies. This is no, no. We're teenagers now, and they kind of okay. We have to start growing up, and the movie shifts with them. And I love the way it's structured, the way it plays with the seasons, the establishing shots are just gorgeous. And I I love this movie. It's it's easily my favourite Harry Potter movie, by by far. I'll be honest, I don't remember this one all that well. I do remember having it more style. um, Also, this is the the last of the the movies to be scored by John Williams, and it is his best work. Mm. And it's... But on the Harry Potter movie, it's not it's his best in general, but it's his best. Oh, in of Harry course, Potter. yeah, yeah. He's got he's got other work to, to yeah, praise. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, but, um, little film called Jurassic Park would have have a word with you uh, on that comment. And and Star Wars might have a word with you on that comment. And Superman may have a word with you on that comment. It, it might indeed. <laughs> the, the point is, he's got a lot of phenomenal scores. Also, yeah, just uh, often overlooked, but Home Alone, really good score from John Williams. Yeah, it's not Tom saying. You can literally just put that score on at Christmas and it feels Christmassy enough and you're like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> number five uh, for me is The Dark Knight, which is one you had at uh, 10, I believe. Yes. Uh, so this, of course, for reasons said, Heath Ledger's Joker, of course. And I'm, I'm going to kind of shit on some movies here to kind of emphasize why I think... I mean, the trilogy is a whole to an extent, but certainly... Are you going to shit on something I like? 
No, not necessarily. Okay, that's you, you agree with this, actually. But one of my problems with a lot of the recent Marvel movies is the lack of what I'd call stakes, where mm. it feels like nothing really means anything. Everything is the good guys. I mean, obviously, the good guys are always going to win anyway. And, you know, Batman's always going to win a Batman movie. Eventually, more or less. Yeah. yeah. But the presence that the Joker has, I mean, just, just compared to villains, like, there is not a single villain in the, any of the Marvel movies. And I'm not even just cutting the MCU. Ever. <laughs> like, any of the X-Men movies, any of the Spider-Man movies, any of them. None of them have had a villain like this. As good as this. Do, do, do you know what's sad as well? I would say Harvey Dent is better than any of the Marvel villains as well. <laughs> I like Harvey Dent in this. He's not as good as the yeah, Joker, yeah. admittedly. But... My point is, he is so overshadowed by the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so he doesn't really get any recognition. Because no one really talks about him in the same way. Because you've got Joker to talk about. Now, where it gets controversial is I would also say Bane is better than most of the Marvel villains, if not all of them. I, I would agree with that up till a point. There's like one moment where, where yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm not including the TV shows, just for the record. No, no, no. That, that, that becomes much murkier then. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of the TV villains are better than Joker here, but... But they, but they can at least give him a run for money. Yeah. Uh, but hey, so... Joker's phenomenal. I love how it treats... Uh, this movie, he's off, Nolan's often quoted as saying that it reminds him of... Uh, or is inspired by heat. It's the, the heat of superhero movies. And... Which is a Michael Mann movie. And I mentioned Collateral earlier. But it has that kind of feel to it. And... The stakes are high. The everything is big. Uh, so many moments in this movie are so memorable. I, I love as a Batman fan. I love how much it gives like Gordon to do. I love how much it, you know the dense story, the way it interweaves into everything. Yeah. There's very little to fault. There's, there's very little to fault. Honestly, my only criticism of the entire film is that I feel like the the look of Gotham is missing somehow like it's t- it taken away clean, isn't it? yeah it just looks like a normal city now bizarrely uh, and Rises has that problem as well but that is literally my only real complaint uh, yeah. I, I I love how it ends I love everything that it builds up to uh, we've mentioned the music that we love so yeah, I mean all, all those moments are iconic for a reason like, and, and no. it didn't take yeah. long for them to become truly iconic no uh, I, I think you, know, you go back and watch this now because obviously when it came out, I, I watched it a lot, like for the first year. Like it, it, it got watched a lot, and then you know, then obviously time started to like bigger gaps would happen between viewings. And you know, it, it's been a few, last time I watched it, it'd been quite a while, and watching it again, and even now it's been a while since then. But watching it after like a batch of Marvel movies, you know, we're right into the middle of the MCU at this point. I'm like, oh yeah, villains can be this good. They're not just throw away things for the, the heroes to beat. No, that's true. Uh, yeah, I will add one other criticism although this is maybe a, a more of a personal preference thing because okay. i know some people say they don't even notice the changing of the aspect ratio is really jarring to me in this movie oh hold on now hold on when you saw it at the theater didn't do that no it didn't i don't and think that... you can i don't think you can blanket complain about that across the board because that's only specifically if no no it's it's you're right it's only specifically but but anytime you watch this now and for you know well, okay, and maybe you'll see it at the cinema at some point again. But most times you watch this now, you're going to experience it with these changes. Actually, if you have a projector and you mask for the the uh, wider ratio, you won't. Okay, fine. Which is a really, I, I admit it's a really specific example. Um, like ninety five percent people who watch this movie for, forever now. Well, also correction: the DVD does not have that change. Does it not? No, the DVD is just the same ratio the whole time. So it's only the Blu-ray and the four K that. 
Okay, oh, okay, I stand correct on that one. I, I didn't realize it was yeah. on. Uh, uh, mainly because you wouldn't get the benefit of the extra resolution that the, the cameras have. That's fair. But I, I find it really jarring every time it does it. And it's the only thing that, that takes me out of the moment when I'm watching What's it. What's really funny is it doesn't bother me. And, you know, I think that those moments look great. Uh, what is kind of funny, though, is that Mario, uh, a friend of ours who used to do some uh, shows with us, he uh, was the opposite of Connor, where he just he didn't notice it. And when we mentioned it once, he was like, what are you talking about? He, he just had no idea it changed. I'm like, how did you not notice? Like, <laughs> and, and and this thing individually, you know, before and after look great, um, but it's the actual transition. It just kind of jumps. It, it feels really sudden and mm. jarring to me. Yeah, and of course, Rises has that. So does Interstellar, and uh, I, they, they do. I think Dunkirk. They, they just, Dunkirk won because I think Dunkirk. The whole thing was just. Oh no, th- that different ratios actually. Now I'm thinking about it. Dunkirk has like three different aspect ratios. I, I didn't catch it. Um, not too fussed. Oh no, it didn't change though. I, I had like three different ratios because like if you saw it in IMAX, it had this ratio. If you saw it in this different type of IMAX, right. it had this but ratio. It didn't jump between them. It didn't jump between them, no. But that was all shot with IMAX cameras, so that won't change. Whatever ratio they pick for the, the release at home. Yeah, yeah, it'll be consistent. No, it that's fair. should be consistent. Um, but yeah. Uh, so no, that was my number five, Dark Knight. Excellent. Oh, you're number five. Okay, so I'm, I'm on number four. This is Lord of the Rings... Fellowship of the Ring. Oh god, you're actually going to put the worst one at the highest, oh, aren't you? Oh, oh, oh my oh. god, the worst. We are going to have words in a minute, you and me. At least the first one has a beginning, the last one has an ending. The middle <laughs> one's just the middle. It just does nothing. There's just, there's just them walking around. There's trees walking around at some point. There's a pointless fight with lots of crappy CG characters that I'm, I don't care about. We'll get there. We'll get there. I love this movie. Uh, I, I love it. You know, I, I will agree that the opening half of this movie is the better half, although I still love the second half. Um, you know, all, all the stuff, and right up until they get to Rivendell, is the, the best, you know, the, the really the best stuff. All that stuff is phenomenal. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you good music. Howard Shore's score is quite good. Howard Shore is phenomenal. Uh, he has created so many themes for this franchise that are, are used so well, they're interwoven. There's, you know, other versions you know the, the way it plays it's so good uh you know obviously this is the first one so okay all the cast are, are really great they play off each other excellently i just love everything about this movie and the 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 final you know battle sequence at Amon hen i love and, and i i love boromir's stuff as well which i think a lot of people don't really like that much weirdly i think that's uh, people are, people are a bit less keen on that but i love it well it's played by sean bean so we knew it was going to happen to him sure i didn't mean specifically that moment i just mean you know his entire arc i know a lot of people kind of don't like that much but i love it his face is literally a spoiler because you know what's going to happen to his character this is true it's true i'm not sure i've really ever seen him in anything properly that he hasn't let's just say he he dies in everything he dies in in every movie it's just what he does yeah, it's I actually, not really a spoiler anymore, is it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's just the internet's meme. I, I, I remember when Game of Thrones started, I said, oh, at least this will be finally something he doesn't die in, because it's a TV show. <laughs> There's that other TV show, I can't remember what it's called, I don't know, like Legend, something like that, on TNT, where he's already dead to begin with. That's oh, he's a ghost? On that one. Oh, my. Okay. Oh, no, no, he's not a ghost. It's a bit more complicated oh, right, than okay. that, but yeah. it's, it's like, yo, he's, he already died. Yeah, yeah, again, I find Lord of the Rings eternally boring, so... Yeah, uh, okay, carry on. <laughs> My number four. Oh, something Connor doesn't like. This is great. It's a Tarantino movie, isn't it? My favourite Tarantino movie. <sighs> Kill Bill. 
And yes, I am counting this as one film because it is one film. It just was split in two because it was too long. <laughs> so sure. whenever I watch it, I watch it as one movie. I, I, I think uh, it's very clear it was meant to be one movie. But it, and it was. I mean, it, it was. And then it split it in two because it was like, yeah, no one's going to sit and walk down for four and a half hours, Quentin. Let's, uh, let's split it. Uh, and Damn right, I don't want to sit down for that long for this. Oh, I would have. I mean, give me an intermission, of course, so I can get up and pee and whatnot, but I'll, I'll watch a four and a half hour. Because I've never watched it separately. I have never watched it uh, split up. I've always watched them back to back, both parts. So, uh, yeah, one movie. I'm, I'm, I'm counting it. So, I love Kill Bill. Kill Bill is... I mean, I, I love most of Tarantino's stuff. There's, there's very... I mean, there's nothing in his filmography that I don't like at all. Like, I, I always at least like it. Uh, and I outright love some of it, uh, This clearly. This is probably him at his most pulpy. And, you know, no no, no, no pun intended because he made Pulp Fiction. But just, it is so, it is like inspired by all these like martial arts movies. It's a revenge story. It's all these things. It's bright. It's colourful. The action's fantastic. The fight in the end of the first part with uh, uh, the, the crazy 88s. Excellent. Uh, like... I love all of it. It's like memorable characters. The the, the hit list she makes because you know because obviously the movie starts. You see that she was basically murdered but didn't quite die, and she comes back, wakes up years later, and she has to hunt down all the assassins of her, her former team that she worked with, and she gets to finally Bill because the movie's called Kill Bill because of course it is, and it's phenomenal. I, I love all of it. It's a it's a it's a great story. It's an empowering story. She's great in the movie Uma Thurman. Um, because for for as silly and for as like you know over the top action as the movie is and as for as jokey as it is, there's some genuine emotion at various points, especially the end, uh, and I love that loads. And the opening fight as well uh, in the house with uh, a Fox, like that is phenomenal. Uh, and them like throwing each other into glass tables and all that, and it's, it's brutal. It's great. I love it. Kill Bill, fantastic. I bought this on blu-ray very cheap a few years ago maybe like four years ago now thinking oh i mean i guess i should give it a try and i can never bring myself to put it on i just i, I don't know why i bothered by it. i mean i don't really read it that much because it was like you know dirt cheap it was like you know the, the price of a lunch anytime but, anytime you're thinking i'm going to watch lord of the rings use that four and a half hours better watch kill Bill instead i'm probably gonna watch lord of the rings next week Stuff happens in Kill Bill, it's great. Stuff happens in Lord of the Rings, it's phenomenal. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Nothing happens in that movie. Lots of things happen in that movie. We we went over how there was two giant battle sequences in Return of the King. Ah, we don't care about anything because it's still CG and like... Yeah. I care about things and, and there's a lot of non-CG, there's a lot of um, extras, there's a lot of outfits and screw you. Oh God. People, I remember when that was coming out, people were talking about how great the battle scenes were. Oh, it's just driving technology forward. And then when I saw it maybe a couple of years later, I was like, this is so boring. I don't care about any of this. This is this, this is the exactly the sort of shit that's led to some of the most like emotionless CG battles in some of these big budget no, no, movies. No, it's not. No, it's not. Don't don't give it that shit. It has characters that all of the, these battles mean things to these characters. Empty, I know, empty movies. Kill Bill, much better, much better than Lord of the Rings. You heard it here first, folks. What's your number three, Connor? My number three is it's one you've mentioned actually. Oh, this is a uh, let the right one in. Ah, yes, yes. And uh, I, yeah, I, I was. I thought I'll save at least one point for when I mention it. The the sound design mm. terrifies me, like <laughs> genuinely terrifies me. It's good. It's good. 
it, it, it cuts to my soul like no no other movie does. And you know, I know we mentioned how good it is in Requiem for a Dream. This is on a different level to even that, in my opinion. This has, like, obviously there's a scene later on where he's underwater. Uh, mm. It's really, really well done with the sound. But I, the, I think... The, the sound of the teeth is is nightmarish. What I love about it, I, I love how simple the effects are in the movie, actually. There's like, when you see yeah. her do something very vampire-y, uh, I, I love all those moments. But it's, it's actually, because as much as it's as solid as the remake is, because Matt Reeves did the remake, it's a solid movie. I would never watch it again because I'm always going to watch this version because it's better. But it's still a solid movie. But the one thing where I think, because the, the remake even has a, a scene that wasn't in this one in a car that's all one shot. It's a phenomenal scene. So it's a shame that, you know, it's just kind of wrapped in a, a redundant movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's got a good cast. Chloe Grace Moretz is the girl. It's great. But it's... Uh, the one thing it really falls falls on though is that it does like this CG stuff with with Eli when she's doing mm. vampire stuff and it just it's just bad and it's like no oh, that's disappointing. Original was better. Uh, it was better in almost every way, but it, it was definitely better in that way. Um, but no. So uh, my number my number three. Three. And its correct spot is unbreakable. Sorry, just just for a reminder, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just scrolling down my list. Where, where did I have that? That that was a. I mean, it had a three in it. It was a thirty-six. <laughs> Unbreakable is a goddamn masterpiece in superhero storytelling. Uh, it's Shyamalan's best movie, and it is it's phenomenal. Bruce Willis is a very down to earth, arguably the most realistic superhero story where someone has superpowers. It plays it so straight. It is nothing but act one of a superhero story. It is the origin. It is the discovery that he is special. It is the feeling like you're not doing what you're supposed to do with your life. The cinematography is fantastic. It does all these things where it's like, you know, almost every shot can be analysed in what it's doing and like what it's representing and what it's revealing. And I, I love it. So cinematography is great. The music is phenomenal. I don't think you mentioned that, but James Newton Howard's score it's, is yeah. one of my favorite scores ever. It's, it's it's the 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 high point of the movie for me. And I, I do like the movie, but that is the high point for me. Uh, I love it. Like, I, there's like almost no fault I can I can point to it. I, I, it's great. I cannot wait for Glass. Very good. What do you mean, very good? That wasn't a pun. No, no, I'm just saying, yeah, very good that you're excited for it. Yeah, the third movie's called Glass. I'm no, I know, I know. I'm, I'm just going, yeah, very good. Very good that you're excited for it. Okay, good. I, I wasn't, I'm, I didn't mean that as a, you know, that was meant to be a pun. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. What's your number yeah. two? Uh, it's funny how you mentioned that was a masterpiece of superhero movies, because in my opinion, The Incredibles is a masterpiece in superhero movies. This is easily the best superhero movie, in my opinion. It's... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I have this above. Bold. Yeah, that's a bold comment. I have this, I have this far, far above Unbreakable. I have this above Dark Knight. I it's it's so it's my favorite superhero movie, favorite animated movie. Obviously, got, kind of goes out saying it's favorite Pixar movie by that point. But this is the it's a for, for one, it's a good Fantastic Four movie. Two, it's the it's you know obviously. <laughs> Two, it's the best Watchmen movie that we have by far. Uh, sure, the competition's it's, it's a, not. Great. No, but... no, it's not. But it's 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 plays with a lot of the Watchmen ideas in a phenomenal way. The family is just fantastic. All of them are likable. All of them are different. The animation is spectacular. The score is phenomenal, and it's it's just it's so down to earth while being super heroic as well. I like it a lot. I don't love it quite as much as you do. I I am so pumped for for the second. I one. I, I, I really am. 
I, I like it more than a lot of superhero movies. I do not like it more than some of the ones you mentioned. You know, you're, you're Nolan Batman's. You're, you're uh, and, fact, unbreakable, clearly. Unbreakable, obviously. Here, here's the biggest thing I'll say against it. And it's not really against the movie itself. I think the movie's great. It's a fantastic movie. Brad Bird already did a better superhero movie. He already did the Iron Giant, which I think he, is better. He, than he did a very good superhero movie before this, and then he came in and improved on what he'd already done. I think Iron Giant's better. I'm sorry. Not eligible for this list, of course, because that was 1999. Of course. But I'm just saying, if we're talking Brad Bird superhero animated movies, I'm going with Iron Giant. It's very good. Don't wrong. I like it a lot, but it's, it's not incredible. All right, my number two. Mulholland Drive. Uh, see, I knew those two, you know, Unbreakable and Mulholland Drive being where they were would offend you. But at least <laughs> I, I, I said Mulholland Drive might move up next time we do this. Uh, Mulholland Drive is the first ever David Lynch movie I watched, and I loved it. It blew me away. Like I, I went in, I actually went scared because I had avoided David Lynch for so long, like Kieran, the, 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 the man, the myth. Yeah, the myth, the legend that was, and not knowing if like I was going to hate it, if I was going to find it tedious, if I was going to just think it was weird. And it drew me in, it blew me away, it made me think. I didn't even understand it as well as I did now. Like, you know, like the first viewing, it was like, whoa, how did I take this in? But it didn't matter, the, the dreamlike quality to it, the, the way the music was fantastic, the, the acting, the, the absurd nature of it, it just it drew me into this world and made me question things. And it's phenomenal. I love it. And obviously it's led to more of his films, it's led to Twin Peaks, it's led to all these things. Uh, I, I love him as a, as a filmmaker. And... I think Mahon drives that as it's, it's got something to say. It's an exploration of dreaming and you know dreams of going to Hollywood and you know being a star and you know what happens when your dreams fall through and sort of the inner psyche of that and all that sort of stuff. Fantastic. That's very good. That leads to your number one, Connor. It is, and I, I have a sneeze. For you. you actually know what this is, don't you? At this point, you've worked it out. There's something missing that, that, I, was, that I was expecting w- to pop w- up. W- would you like the honors? So you're putting the worst movie in a mediocre trilogy in your number one spot. You're damn right. Because I disagree with everything you just said. Except that it's going to the number one spot. That is right. This is <laughs> Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. I love I this movie so much. It is phenomenal. It's just oh incredible. God. And it's just... I mean, especially the extended edition... Which has, you know, it it has more stuff with Boromir, Faramir, Denethor that I just love. I've only ever seen the extended editions, and I wish I hadn't. I wish I saw the theatrical versions. I I I I hated this the most out of the three. I hate you sometimes. I I I I don't know why Gandalf is back. Like, what's the point? Why? Because he has a mission to do. But that that is the point. <laughs> it just cheapens his death. Like I liked his death it, it, in the first one. It doesn't one. cheapen his death. That this is the intention. It's a see. This is your hatred of fantasy coming in. This is supposed to be a higher power, a destiny. It's You're not bullshit. supposed to question it. It just is. This is the, it's bullshit. Oh my god! It's just it's, it's twelve hours to tell a story of them, of them walking to a mountain. Like I just <laughs> like just so much brilliant character stuff in that twelve hours. Uh, the journey in the Power Rangers movie of them going from the temple to the, 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 the cave that has all the powers is a better Lord of the Rings movie than the three Lord of the Rings movies. They fight skeleton dinosaurs when they go on their tr- journey. Look, I'm not 
I'm not dignifying that response. I'm just saying Helm's <laughs> Deep is the greatest battle sequence in cinema history. Which one's that? The the one at the end of this movie. You know where the they're, they're, the the armies they go to the the castle and they fortify themselves in, and then the the orcs come to them, and then the, the elves show up. Is this ringing any bell? Le- really Legolas that. slides down the stairs on a shield and, and shoots arrows at the. Oh yeah, everyone, everyone in the F ones over the Legolas stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just going. I'm just trying to think of something that will jog your memory to, to place. I don't think that's the best moment, but all yeah. I remember, all I remember is Gandalf coming back, and I remember, I remember two of the hobbits riding around in a tree. Yep. And, and Legolas sliding down something, and that is literally all I remember. I, I, I nothing else is retained. I, I love from that what movie. this does with the characters. It makes Legolas and Gimli so much better, and and deepens their relationship. Oh, I, I vaguely remember there have been lots of scenes in like a big like building where these giant doors, and it was like all these like debates going on about what to do about something. Yes, and being I just remember being insanely bored. That, 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 that that's that Helm's Deep. Is that Helm's Deep? Okay. Yes, because you have you know the, one of the, one of the famous shots is, is Aragorn pushing the the doors open as he comes in. No, sorry. No. Okay. <laughs> go, go on then. <laughs> okay, my number one. What you can probably guess as well, actually. Oh, I can. I know what it is. Yeah. Um... Did, did, shall I do the honors? <laughs> no, you shall not. I'm not giving up my my moment. That, that was your choice. So. This is a deeply personal. I think, I think a lot of the films that I've said up until now, I'm picking for various reasons. You know, filmmaking. I'm picking for for what what it, what it does as a movie, and I, I think almost everything I've said works on its own completely. That is not true for my number one. <laughs> my number one is a conclusion to something that's deeply personal, and this is this is Serenity. This is the this is the movie that, that we got because Firefly was cancelled. And I'm a big fan of Josh Bean, of course. Uh, you know, I mentioned Buffy all the time <laughs> as a thing. Angel, uh, you know, Dollhouse actually was pretty good as well. Uh, There's some rocky moments in there, but overall, I liked what it was doing. And I love Firefly. And Serenity is probably an insanely unique experience that I will probably never have again. Where I loved this show, it got cancelled. I thought I'd never get a conclusion or anything else again. And then somehow a movie got made. And it wasn't the exact plan originally, you know, know, we hadn't spoken since about how some of this was going to be the end of season two, but some of it wasn't, and then there was other ideas that he never got to, and of course, because he had to, and he said that this is the hardest thing he's ever done, is write a two-hour conclusion for something he had, like, four seasons planned, you know, beyond what we'd got. It's heartfelt, it's a rollercoaster ride, I laughed a lot, Whedon's very funny, of course, but he's writing, I cried, I loved all these characters, when, you know, death might come up. Every single time it happened, it hurt. There's there's genuinely a moment in this movie, and I have never felt this in just about anything else, where I genuinely believed that any character could die. Yeah. I genuinely believed that at one point in this movie. And maybe that was foolish in hindsight, but it, it sold it to me. It sold it to me that none of them are safe. And uh, it really sold its themes, it sold its message towards the end. Uh, it's got great, it's great science fiction fights, battles, memorable moments, lines, quotable... Uh, this is a movie that's here purely for for personal heartfelt reasons. That no experience of a movie has ever hit me in a theater like this has. Some have come close, none have topped it. It's not my favorite movie of all time. That's not what I'm saying. But in terms of theater going experiences, it's probably the best I've ever had. So when it comes to this decade, 
nothing's nothing's touching it. Well, <laughs> I guess that brings us to an end <laughs> of this top fifty two thousands. Uh, we actually there was a cut there. We, we got interrupted at the like right before the end, which is the worst place to. It's just it's just annoying. Like it we're almost done. It's a nice finish. It's just a thing. Anyway, uh, so that that is us. So by all means, share us your top fifties. And and more importantly, or top who 10s. do you agree with on Lord of the Rings? No, 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 because that, that, that's low-hanging fruit. There's tons of Lord of the Rings fans who are going to hate me for that. I think the more interesting question is, as a whole, which list do you prefer? Mm, yeah, that's fair. I think that's a much more interesting question. So by all means, let us, let us know that. Uh, and give us your own top 50s, or if you obviously don't have to do a total top 50, although I'm the sort of person who takes that challenge, is like, yeah, I'll do 50. But if you want to do a top 10 of the decade or... Uh, top 20 or something like that by all means uh, give us your give us your list it's, it's exciting to see and uh, no uh, so like we say we'll be doing another uh, top 50 like this again at the end of January we'll be doing top 50 science fiction films so by all means if you want to like uh, spend a month watching sci-fi movies uh, we'll probably have a couple of sci-fi episodes I imagine uh, yeah. over the month and, and, and of course it'll be interesting to see I'm sure some of the movies we've mentioned on these lists will pop up in our sci-fi list I, you would have to imagine so I'll be interested to see where they place versus other decades. Yeah, I think what's funny about it is that you know over time people may be able to cross-reference and say, hey, wait a minute, you had this above that in that list, but you've got it below that. Do you know what? I can think of a few examples of that I've done in the past, and there are movies that I will say, I like that more as, say, a horror movie. I like it more as a horror movie in a horror list. But, as an over- but just as a movie, mm-hmm. I like this more. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's true as well, but I, th- I think, honestly, just these things mind, change you, from time you, to time. You change, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, you ask me to do this again in exactly a year, I will probably have some swapped around. It'll be generally the same overall, but there'll be some swaps. It'll be some placement moves, yeah. Yeah, that's just the way things are. Lists are a fluid, evolving beast. You you would know, wouldn't you, Listmaster? I, oh, I, oh, thank you, yes. That's, <laughs> that's how you should address me. But just you can drop the list part. Just master would do. Uh, uh, yeah, don't push your luck. But that that is our top fifty movies of the two thousands. Uh, so thank you very much for hanging around and listening to all these uh, insane picks. Hopefully you got some recommendations. Hopefully you uh, had fun. But uh, you know, and by all means, let us know if you're excited about the, uh, the the prospect of doing this every once in a while. I, I mean, we'll do one at the end of January, but after that, it'll be every three months or so, give or take. We'll do one uh, of various things. Like I said at the start recommend other things that we could do lists of you know obviously well the decades and the genres are obvious ones we're going to be doing but if you if you have other insane ideas um by all means even shorter ones if you if you think there's you know. yeah yeah sometimes it'll be just oh maybe we'll just do a 10 if, if it's like okay well it's if it's a very specific thing oh yeah like top 20 time travel movies for example maybe that's a thing yeah oh sure. that, that would tear us apart because back to the future should be number one and connor would completely butcher his list with I'm sure it'd be on there somewhere so that is us so by all means let us know what you think in the comments like subscribe all that stuff get us on the twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates if you want to support the show and the channel and everything we do here head over to patreon.com slash mailfuzztv uh, you get these early at the dollar tier and then there's a lot of bonus you get to vote at the five dollar tier for the monthly episode uh, in fact we're getting very close we'll be picking what our next vote is for uh, for over the course of January but uh, yeah, so that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, guys, and we'll see you next time.